Hey, welcome to the Timmy Riggs Podcast, Life in the Meantime. I'm excited today because I've interviewed one of my close friends, uh, Kate Myers. Emma and I live very close to Kate and Casey, and we literally work with them. And so it was fun to kind of talk with her about all types of different things. Uh, her call and how she feels like God is using her life and developing her. And we even talk about a conflict that her and I had that we got through. And uh, also the fact that we went to school together. But anyway, I hope it encourages you and is helpful. So I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with my friend Kate Myers. Used to be Miller, but now it's Myers. Um, We've got a couple questions for you, Kate, that we'll get into. But first, thanks for coming on my show. Thanks for having me. Like it's like TV. Um... Kate and I went to SNU together, and uh, we went to the ministry program together, and our lives have evolved. So where, first of all, why don't you tell us where you're from, Kate, and what led you to SNU? All right. I am from the biggest town in Texas, Texarkana, mm-hmm. uh, 30,000 people. Not yeah, the I was like, town. is it really? <laughs> <laughs> but there is the greatest place ever there, and it's called Luna Boutique. If you haven't been, you should go. Uh, I'm from Texarkana, and I came to SNU for the ministry program. Uh, That's, my sister went through it. It was really the only reason I considered SNU. We'll definitely talk more about that. Sure, sure, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I got to SNU. Okay, you got to SNU, and uh, you were, like, really confident. Like, where a lot of people get to school, and they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, or whatever. Like, you were like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is what I'm called to. This is where God wants me. Uh, different things that led you to this. Like, even we talk, and we're going to talk about your call to ministry, but how, like, um, it, for me, it was something that I was like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. But for you, you're like, this is where God wants me. And so that's really cool, and we're going to talk about that, because there's people, sometimes we try to, um, we speak too much to the side of, like, living life when it's not clear but sometimes there are people that are like wait life seems really clear for me and like we need to affirm those people too but let's talk about the fact that we shared a class together so i think, I think I'm, a few classes so i'm uh two years two yeah two, so two years, years ahead of me yeah. so two years ahead of you and we shared classes together and um i mean we couldn't have been l- less friends <laughs> like we were we were acquaintances. Yeah, uh, you sat across from me in Marty Michelson's Old Testament theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riveting class, really. Actually, I, I really did love that class. I could not have been more annoyed by you. Yeah, that's good. It's, that's really shameful for Thank me you. to say. I'm gonna go ahead and stop the interview right now. <laughs> <I think. laughs> um, that makes a lot of sense. I was loud. I felt like I was in control of the room, even if I wasn't. You um, might have been. So that makes a lot of sense. I stopped by and saw Marty the other day too. It was a nice conversation. Um, okay, so we had class together, and one of the things I remember. Mm, nah, I won't say that story. Say but, it. Um, Just say okay, it. so one time you brought a water bottle in, and everyone gave you heck because it looked like a flask. <laughs> and so I remember this Marty. This is a plastic water bottle from a gas plastic station. Plastic water bottle. Kate didn't even know what a flask was when everyone started saying it looks like you have a flask. That's true. Um, and we were in our ministry class, and sure enough, it turned out it was a flask. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you were just. No, not at all. Um, but that was one of the highlights. Honestly, maybe one of the only things I really remember about us being in class together. Uh, and I remember you one other time. 
I remember you one other time in college, and <laughs> that was like doing some SGA thing together. But all of that is to say is that we are now eight, eight years from beginning of college to now, and not one time would I have thought that we'd be the friends that we are Definitely today. not. Um, no. you, not you, because you're not great, but but I just annoy you so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what would you, what did you just say before we started about like if you asked? Uh, I I just think that if you would have told me that we would have been serving on staff together and that our spouses and us would be besties for the resties, mm. I probably would have laughed at your face. Yeah. Just. And I'd have been like, who's Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So that is like, what's crazy is we are truly, so Casey, her husband was my freshman roommate in college and, um, you know, him and I, we, we were, he was the best. He was the best Still roommate. Is. He is truly i remember um i had a lot of good roommates i'll shout those out later um because they're be like what i thought i was the best roommate. but i remember casey one time um i'm gonna save this story for when i interview him okay um but he was just great and he cleaned up my messes and he cared about me and um i didn't care about a whole lot other than myself so he is awesome and then we went on through college and he kind of did his own thing honestly we very i mean we didn't hang out at all and besides just knowing hey you know casey and i have this bond of being fresh and roommates and then eventually when I came back to be on staff here and he was here and then you were about to get hired like it was just kind of like oh cool and then just that like you said we lived in the same apartments so my wife and I and you and Casey different units different units (laughs) (laughs) but the same complex and that I think has been one thing that really helped us grow our friendship so and it's been really cool and so now um, and you can make fun of us but we are building houses right next to each other and um, just gonna have arranged marriage you know, we're with our kids. Yeah. So, not us. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was kind of our beginnings. Now we never would have guessed it. And now, um, here we are best friends. One of the things that best friends do in life is they fight. Right. So I wanted to bring up last night and I was like, Hey, why don't you guys talk about conflict resolution? And I was like, Oh, because that time that Kate and I got into a fight and she was like, yes, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's why I'm bringing it up. So Kate, why don't you tell them about how you mistreated me and abused me and <laughs> then we'll go from there. Well, this kind of stinks for me because it's like highlighting my unhealth, uh, so it's not true. It's yes, the fact that it's yes. like still the things that I do that can be annoying, like yeah, all the time. But it's just, <laughs> but <laughs> it was kidding. the like figuring out how to handle it now is people who live close together, like live life really close, and so like um, I, I want you to tell so okay, tell the details. Tell okay, okay. I don't, I'm interviewing you. All right, all right. So the summertime is a busy part of ministry for all of us. Uh, whenever you're married to a pastor and you go to work together and you go home together and every single moment you spend together, uh, you just live and breathe ministry. So I'm already kind of, you know, just tense, like we're getting ready for the school year to start back up. Where we meet on Wednesday nights is a lot of shared space. So over the summer, we just, man, we just kind of junked it up. So it's time, like, game time we got to get this place clean and ready for students to be back in our and space and part of that shared space is 
I share that space with you, which I just kind of intruded on in the last two years. So like, it's not intrusive. A space that was just <laughs> your guys's is now a space that I use for the ministry that I get to lead as well, and it's. It's, we don't have as much stuff, but it, we just come in fast, and we leave fast, and there's a lot. So something about Timmy is mm-hmm. he likes to, when there's a job to be done, he's like, yes, I see the job. Who wants to do it? That's Delegation is a yes, big part of leadership. It's number one strength for him. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we got to go down there. we got to get cleaned. And I... In my unhealthiness, uh, I'm just like a worker bee. I'm like moving all about the room, like throwing things around and getting real passive toward Timmy because he doesn't see that it is a priority for us to get this place cleaned. And so the passiveness just grows. I mean, it is snowballing into... Snappy comments, um, threats. No. Oh, yes. So eventually this this is just, I mean, everyone can see it. It's embarrassing for me, only for me, but also for you because you, yeah. I'm being humiliated in front of my friends. <laughs> so eventually we, I am just being so rude. I'm kind of ignoring Tim, like. It just, I don't even know what all I was doing. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll move that. She's like, I bet you'll move that. And you're like, <laughs> yes, oh, good night. Exactly. Yeah, I'm literally moving it right now. I was leaving passive-aggressive post-it notes every night. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I wasn't. But anyway, the, the passive-aggressiveness was getting out of control. So it was affecting maybe even how I was treating Emma and Casey. So everyone was getting the brunt of my frustration which was just too bad. I mean, that was just mm-hmm. not cute. So Emma and Timmy are home, and I'm, like, out walking around the <laughs> around our apartment on the phone with someone trying to, I don't know, resolve Probably a talking about conflict. me. Like, Timmy's yeah, so annoying. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Hasn't changed a lick since yeah. college. That's why I didn't want to be his friend. Yeah. No. And I get off that phone call, and I have a phone call from Tim. I'm and he's like, he's like, listen, I know you're mad at me. I don't know what all you said. I can't, but I can't remember, but let me go ahead and tell it for yeah, Adam. Okay. Sure, sure. Okay, uh, yeah. No, I called Emma, or she was home, one of the two, and I was kind of like, man, Kate's kind of like, I don't know what her deal is. Like, she's giving me the business, and I think I'm going to call her. And Emma's like a nine. And on the Enneagram, which is like peace and harmony. So for her, she was like, no, like she felt like I was like, no, like, I'm not going to be mean. We're just going to face this. Like we have to we live life together, you know, and if it's only going to get worse if I allow my bitterness to grow and you allow yours. And so I gave you a call and I was like, hey, I think I apologized for not being as concerned about the cleanup is you um which sounds so silly (laughs) i was like i'm i'm sorry that you felt like you know like like a passive apology um but kind of and then went from there was just like i can't i can't remember either i guess but basically it was just like i don't don't feel like i feel like you're mad so let's just talk about it let's figure it out and i want to be better i think you were wondering why i hadn't just talked to you yeah like Like why why don't you just say hey i really need to go clean that and i'd be like you're absolutely right let me go knock that out you know Uh, that i work so much better that way where it's like uh, even if at first you're like what 
okay, I need to clean it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we got to, I think it was a seven minute and 46 second phone call. I remember. Maybe less. Uh, Maybe less, but it was really good. And it was just us being able to talk about it, both of us apologizing, and then me hanging up being like, gosh, she sucks. You know, (laughs) like, uh, no, not at all. And literally being able to be like, see, that's how you do it. And I wish I would have recorded our conversation because I think that so many people's relationships and friendships are ruined because mm-hmm. of their not their willingness not to, you know, to have these conversations. Yeah. I think it also gives us a like once you get to know someone really well, like you just know when like, oh, like I don't really want to get in Kate's way right now. Yeah. Or man, Timmy's hungry, so he's gonna be irritable. Like I'm just gonna like but I don't even think you have to know someone super well to know things are off, things are, something is wrong here. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes valuing a friendship, value, valuing a relationship to be able to say it's worth having an uncomfy, difficult conversation because we're going to get to the other side and be at a better place. Maybe even know each other better. Whereas in our spot, we are best friends and we do so much life together that it would have been terrible for everyone involved <laughs> if yeah, we it didn't have been weird. resolve our conflict. If I like called Casey and was like, what is the deal with Kate? Get her <laughs> under control. <laughs> 1940s. Anyway, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it takes that and self-awareness of just knowing, you know. And yeah. I think my dad just preached something. I'm trying to think, remember what he said, talking about reconciliation, about how it is step forward hold your tongue and then the other one was like swallow your pride or something or i don't know i struggle to swallow my pride i'll be honest that's that's a hard part for me and if you know anything about the enneagram pride is a two's like cardinal sin Hmm. pride is like i hold on to that more than anything else mostly because it comes from i love to help people And this is the root of our conflict that happened that day. I love to help people, and when it's not reciprocated, it gets under my skin more than anything else. Because I'm like, I'm willing to do this for you, but you're not willing to, like, take the next step and do it for me or do it for someone else. And so then I'm like, well, look at me, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Why won't you do the same? And it just, like, wells up as... And I'm not going to apologize first because I'm... I'm doing the righteous thing, you know, and that's that takes self-awareness too to know that that's my downfall or, you know, whatever your downfall is and then to be able to apologize, which I didn't apologize first in this situation and that's gross. No. Yeah, it's I was going to say, you know, I just I'm not a prideful guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very humble. Yes. Uh one of the humblest actually. I would say so. No, I think that it was just it's the way that I don't I mean it's not I don't know. You We're know, reconciling I, I don't want even to here. <laughs> it's hard because I'm like I don't wanna be like, yeah, look at how I started that conversation. Like take notes, okay. Um but I just like those are the moments where you feel like, look, it's far more important for us to be able to enjoy the rest of our lives than this little thing. So like I know, like kinda of that always like where can I take blame? Like, you know, and it's hard because in that situation, it's just going to be different. Like, I might be a little bit more direct. I'd be like, Kate, can you come help move your stuff? Like, it's really bothering me. And then that might still be wrong because you might be like, hey, I got a lot of stuff going on. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't have as much right now. You know, like, so there's there's never a really good way to handle that stuff. But I think that once you're then in a place where, hey, we need to 
resolute this conflict, then it's figuring out, okay, I'd, what's more important to me, winning the argument or trying to see where maybe I could have been a little bit better too, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think, I don't know, so you go back to seven, Enneagram. Like, it might be a little bit easier for sevens to just kind of be like, eh, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. was my fault, wasn't, I don't care. Like, yeah. um, I, th- I think that's maybe part of it. But that's also part of the seven of being like, there's a mess, we'll get it later. Or yeah. someone else will. Um, okay, so that's that. So basically, if you are at work and you have a conflict with someone or you have friends or whatever, uh, the best thing to do is just address it. For sure. Yeah. Don't be passive. Yeah, and and that's not easy to do. But the more that you do it, the easier it is. And then it'll just be like, yeah, they're really upfront, But, you know, honestly, they've got good relationships. Okay, moving on. So you are a pastor and... Um, you know, I think that it's great. Like, we love that uh, you're a female pastor. And so some of you listening might you're be like... You're a male like, pastor. Right, yeah. So that's <laughs> where I literally never think... That's what I'm going to get to in a second. That's what I'm saying. Some people might be listening and be like, okay. And mm-hmm. then other people be like, oh, you know, which that. It's like, oh, that's too bad. But um, that they think that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, like, what's funny is we get the question, or you get the question sometimes, of, like, what's it like at your church being a female pastor. Um, and it's funny because you'll tell us that you get that question and I'm like, you're a female? <laughs> like, I <laughs> forgot. Like, I literally, like, we just don't really think about it. I think we have a really great staff mm-hmm. and supports women in ministry, supports women in everything in life, you know? Like, and um, I think we all live on that playing field. And so, um, I don't know. Be you, how is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do get that question a lot, and sometimes it strikes me, but I do have to remember the times in my life where I was in community with people who weren't so supportive of my call or just my my desire to be a pastor. Uh, there have definitely been those times, but I feel like all of those negative times are overshadowed by how positive my experience has been mm. being on staff at Bethany First. Um, I would say that as a woman in ministry, I don't think about it all that often. Uh, Just like, I know that I am making way for other women to become pastors and they see that in me and that like excites me to no end. Yeah, Um, how many students do we have just over the last few years that have been like, hey, I wanna go into ministry? Yeah, we've had like at least 15, I would say maybe 20, which is incredible. Uh, just truly I mean that's how it happens you know I saw someone when I was a sophomore right after I felt called to ministry which we'll get to later that was a woman and it was like the first time I saw myself in someone else you know so I think that that's it's humbling to know that I'm not for other people that I'm kind of making way for someone else's call to unfold Uh, but being on staff at BFC I just feel like you guys are the most supportive of me like you always see ways to push me to say yes to things that I'm fearful of maybe because it's a fear of rejection or fear of failure Um, things that I'm not like super good at you push me to get better so that I can continue to improve in my ministry but also just improve in every area of life so uh, there there are so many times that i hear stories of women in ministry that like just break my heart because it it's not that it's not 
a story of support mm-hmm. and encouragement. It's like a story of, I mean, you don't have a place here. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel very fortunate and I take it upon myself to be sure that I champion other women who feel called to ministry and try to bring them up, uh, under me. I think that one of the things that really helps you and helps anyone (laughs) for that matter, but especially I feel like in pastoral role is we have those people that we look up to that we're like, Oh, I see they can do it. I can do it. You know, Mm -hmm. even for me, like I'm as, I'm as basic as it comes, you know, a white male. And so, um, but there were still a lot of pastors that I looked up to, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh wow. And if they are doing it, you know, and I've listened to all types of across the board, you know, types of pastors. And, um, but I think that during that process and for you too, you had to find who you were and they definitely, there were women that shaped you and, and men that shaped you, but in your ministry, but also it's like, you're really authentic to who you are. And I think that that is, I don't know, but like, I would say that's your number one advice, right? Like I'm giving it to you, uh, is that you are very you. And even when we push you to try new things, I think, I don't know what all comes to your mind, but for me, it's certain things like speaking and, uh, when it comes to just literally doing announcements, which is a freaking awesome door opener to Mm -hmm. learn how to communicate and um, seems like something really small that can lead to something really big and you take that seriously and you've do awesome at it and then preaching on Wednesday nights you and Casey take turns and so um and you both are great and you just continue to want to get better and so like that's really exciting because then everybody around you is like well yeah I want to keep championing that you know mm-hmm. um but again all that to say is that you uh I feel like you're just really really you and I want that to lead into the next question or not question but the idea of like one of the things about you one of the aspects that's really neat is you're also uh yoga teacher and have been pretty involved in yoga since high school mm-hmm. um, and again this is something too that's a little different because for a while some people didn't know and they were like oh my gosh yoga like what like is that okay like I yeah. know that they you know but mm-hmm. yet you're like no you it, I, with a Christian twist I don't know tell us more about it and how you involve sure. that in your ministry well before I dive into yoga you just made me think of something whenever I first came on staff I So you may be thinking this even right now as you're listening. Man, her voice is so soothing. I might go to sleep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I might go to sleep. (laughs) But. Or they're like, oh, I just woke up to this part. Yeah, yeah. But part of what I feel like is my strength is yoga. I love yoga and I love to usher people into moments of stillness and reflection and to become introspective, to increase self-awareness and, you know, all of that. And I'd love to do that. in charge of their body. Yes. And I love to do that because of my theology and because of my passion for ministry. But it, I struggled because I would see all of you and you're so, like, fiery and your voice inflection is, you know, all over the scale. Very high-pitched. Whereas mine is very... Uh, very close to the center line, you know, just, so I really struggled to find myself my first year or so of ministry because I felt like I needed to be more like all of you where really I just need to play into my own strengths. So, so what's the advice on how you got to that point for someone that's, 
I I think that I have said to myself more times than I could even count, just be you. Like when I'm speaking on Wednesday nights or I'm giving the announcements, which seems like a trivial thing, I always tell myself before I get up, if you don't speak what you know, they're not going to hear it. Because if it doesn't come from the heart, people can tell. Mm -hmm. And so I think if that means that my voice is not all over the place and I'm not monotone, but, you know, just more quiet and simple in my inflection, then that that is how people hear my authenticity. They don't hear my authenticity whenever I'm yelling and getting excited because they're like, what is she doing? We would never go to lunch that's with not, you and you talk like that. Yeah, that's you know? not Whereas Kate. we can be in the library and I'm going to talk to you like that. For sure. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, that makes sense. You got to be you. Or sitting across the table from me. Sitting across from the table. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, that authenticity, you really have to continue to tune into who you are and what makes you excited because if you're not doing the things that are your passions or making you excited you're gonna burn out so Mm -hmm. part of part of my call to ministry is my passion is to help people find wholeheartedness in their life so that could be you know wholehearted living I feel like is so it just is a way of saying being well-rounded, mm-hmm. like taking care of your mind, taking care of your body, taking care of your spirit. And for me, all of that plays into how you eat and how you treat yourself. And, you know, if you're working through anxiety and depression, work through it, like do the hard thing of seeing a counselor, talking to people you're close to. Um, but also your, your body is so important and your spirit, they're all just so intertwined for me. I can't, I can't disconnect them. If one is out of whack, all of them are out of whack. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me and in my own personal life, aside from ministry that started with yoga, uh, in high school. So when I was a junior, I had an injury during my cross-country season, which only was one season long, uh, but it was a good time in life. And after going to physical therapy, at the end, my physical therapist was like, you should try yoga. It'll help you to be strengthened, but also it'll stretch you out. You should give it a go. So I started going, and I went two times a week. Every time that it was offered, I was Mm. there. I wanted to no more and I never learned about breath I had never slowed my breath down in moments of anxiousness or like you get nervous about something I didn't know like oh, just slow down and take a deep breath and wow I'm right here I'm fine you mm-hmm. know and so it just began to shift a lot of things for me it helped me even to slow down in my time alone with God whenever I would read and pray it taught me to take space to listen and not just to jibber jabber all my prayers and my ramblings to God, but to just take time and listen, to be still. And I think that that's a practice that has to be honed. I think that it doesn't come easily. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So that began my yoga journey and it started out as a physical journey, but it quickly became spiritual, not in yoga philosophy, spiritual realms but in my own walk with Christ and so my senior year I often our our physicality is connected to our spirituality and we don't give it that much weight and yet if we look at our life Mm -hmm. and our, our busy bodies and our spaces that we live life in it's a pretty good indicator 
of where we totally. are spiritually. Because if it's if we're just constantly on the go and it feels like our lives are in chaos, well then, yeah, then our spiritual life is probably pretty weak. And you yeah. know, um, so anyway. So my senior year of high school, my yoga teacher was gonna have a baby, and so she was like. I need someone to teach when I'm gone. So I think you should get your certification. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. I don't think I can do it. But I loved yoga so much. And so I was like, if you think I can, I'll do it. Which is another example of someone championing you, you know, like encouraging you to step into something that they see and... So I think that's so cool because if you're listening, you can be both of those. You can look for people to push you forward, and then you can be someone that helps pull out the best in other people. You for know, sure. I mean that's I mean that's who I want to be. Yeah. And so I think that's really cool. So I ended up getting just a small certification that allowed me to teach at our local gym, and I taught 5:45 a.m. yoga five days a week oh my, my gosh. senior year of high school that's crazy what time did class start 5:45. no i mean oh. school oh uh well your senior year you kind of take different i don't know i wasn't at school very much yeah neither was i i, I mean i, I had to, to be but 10. i <laughs> yeah like like 10 a.m or something i, I was just only never there went for, to first period <laughs> well i just said yours is different yeah. yeah so I still got up early. Like, I I wish I was still a morning person. I'm really working on it. Ugh, so wild. It drives wild. me nuts. You tell, I was over at their house because I ran out of coffee. And Casey and I have been working really hard to try to wake <laughs> up at 5 a.m. We don't always nail it. But um, one of the things that really helps is the reward of coffee. You know, you know it's going to be there. Well, I ran out of coffee. And so C- Casey is amazing at making coffee. He does it. The old school. He grinds his beans. He pours it into a, what's it called? <laughs> Uh, Chemex thing. Yes, it's, it looks yeah. like a it looks like a science experiment. And, it is, and you get it. And it just tastes so good. But we're over there. He's grinding the beans in the morning. He's slamming cabinets. It's five fifteen a.m. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Is your door closed?" And he's like, "No, no, okay, just asleep right through it." And I was like, "If I <laughs> breathe too hard," and I was like, "Damn." Damn. Not mean. She's sweet. She's gentle. But, yeah. like, I, she will wake up very easily, and you can sleep through an I absolute... I never hear his 5 a.m. alarm. That blows my mind. He sets one for 5 a.m., 5.01, 5.02, 5.03, and I don't hear a single one of them. And honestly... And he has to get up, because he has his phone across the room. Yes. So it's just, like, going nuts in there. Honestly, I, I feel like it's really impressive, the skill that I have... It kind of is. Sleep through anything. Oh, and I, I said to him, I love sleep so much. It's, what, <laughs> it's I, like, unhealthy. You'll be, like, you'll be like, man, I'm so tired. I'm like, how much sleep do you get? And you're like, nine hours. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, my good. I got nine hours of sleep. I could be up for the next 48. <laughs> oh, word. Okay, what did I say to Emma or Casey or something about like, I just wish like. Emma could learn from you the ability to yeah. sleep through stuff. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So. You started teaching, and now it's something that you still just kind of, which this could be a great invitation. Yeah. We have a class. When do you, when do you teach? Well, I teach a private group of oh, ladies. It's well, you start another private group. Sure. You teach like every night of the week except for Wednesdays. I love, yes. I, so there has been some struggle being a pastor and teaching yoga, and I really think the struggle only comes from people not knowing. Mm. Like, whenever you don't have knowledge of something, you can kind of tend to be scared of it, or um, proximity kills prejudice, or, you know, those kinds of sayings. Like, when you are unaware of something, 
it, it just is a mystery to you. So you don't want to get closer to it because you don't know how it's going to affect your life. Um, so I try to help people kind of unveil the mystery of yoga, um, explain it in a way that it's just moving and breathing. It's like any other exercise class, except instead of doing high intensity intervals, you're you're moving more slowly and you're tapping into smaller, tiny muscles under your superficial muscles that mm. they are going to build balance for the rest of your life. These are the kinds of things that 65 year olds are encouraged to do so that they don't fall over, mm. you know, <laughs> like you're fine tuning those muscles now yeah. so that, you know, later in life you, you have the balance and the fragility to, to move and to be healthy still. So that's kind of like the physical side of yoga, but, there are many times that I teach classes where when we get to the end, which at the end of every yoga class, you you have Shavasana, which is final relaxation pose. And you're literally just laying on your back on the floor. Mm. And the floor has never felt so comfy. When you get to the end of the class, for some reason, it's like you're laying on a Tempur-Pedic mattress. It's, there's nothing like it. Your have you exploded. Just, and you're relaxed and you breathe so deeply and you can enter into this space that you feel such a release like I Casey might be embarrassed if I said this but I'll say it anyway and I'll deal with it later uh, there are many times where he it, emotions come up for him at the end of class because it's like I thought you were going to say he tooted or something <laughs> he might have yeah it's very possible okay, so it's a very it's a, yeah it's just emotional people who live fast-paced lives and who have high expectations of themselves when they mm. do a yoga class and they can't hit the posture like I'm hitting the posture you know what I'm saying like you have expectations and you want to be good at it but you're not and but there's still space for you to just breathe and move and there's something so releasing about that that people will become overwhelmed with emotion they're I mean, I've I've had ladies crying at the end of my class asking me, why in the world am I crying? And I just think that that goes to show that our bodies hold on to a lot of stress. We go through a whole week sometimes without intentionally moving and taking deep breaths. And so whenever you invite yourself to do that, it's crazy what mm -hmm. will happen. And for me, I think when you do that and you slow down enough you're creating space for God to speak to you. And and sometimes we're okay to not hear from him because we're not sure what mm -hmm. might be might be stirred up in our spirit, you know? And so I think just inviting people through the practice of yoga to slow down enough. I always, whenever I teach, um, I read scripture at the end of class and just kind of give like a devotional thought to the scripture. And what better place to receive that than whenever you're fully relaxed mm -hmm. and ready to receive it. So yoga and theology and ministry and just life with God, me, they make so much sense together to me. I don't know anything else in life that slows you down enough to say, just be here with me now, you know? Yeah. So I love that. And I think that's, it's always fun to connect ways that aren't just sitting in a pew or something, but for you to be like practically involved in your spirituality and, and living it out literally with your body and with your mind. And so I think that's awesome, Kate. So, all right, we are flying through this. And I know that, um, you know, everyone's like, man, how long is this going to be? So, well, I really want you to talk about this question because this is something that, again, I think that people uh, deal with and they, they, 
wonder about and maybe it's ambiguous or maybe it's really clear and both of those people could feel like man am I doing this wrong you know mm-hmm. um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your call to ministry when it happened why where who what all that and go with run with it so I I don't know where to start with this Okay, when I was six years old, <laughs> I'm going to breeze through this first okay. part. When I was six years old, my sister, who already felt called to ministry, uh, she wanted to be a children's pastor. She went down and prayed with me at our church one time to receive Jesus as my personal Savior, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when, or like, I don't know when exactly that was, but I've read how she like wrote out the story of how it happened and I came across it one day and read it and it like stirred up in me like oh my gosh like new passions God has started something so long ago even whenever I couldn't really understand or perceive it so that happened when I was six and I can remember times where I really felt like oh I'm getting closer to God like in elementary school I remember going to my friends and telling them like I read a Bible story last night because I knew, like, I'm supposed to have personal devotion, you know. But I don't think, sorry, I don't think I was really living for God. Like, I I didn't really understand how to live it out. And I think that that's a lot of people's story. I think. Especially when you're six. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So moving into, into middle school, um, I decided that it was time for me to be baptized. I was 11 years old, and this is part of my my walk with God that I really struggled with because even then I didn't really feel like, did I really know what was going on? Did I really make that decision? You know, mm-hmm. and I think people struggle with that question too. Um, was their baptism legitimate? And I think that it is. Mm-hmm. So um, this just plays into this idea that. I believe so wholeheartedly in is he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it into completion. And so, um, for the next few years, I still just, I, in middle school is the, the worst middle school is so terrible. You just hang out with everyone who feels awkward I about just wish themselves. That we were YouTubing this or something <sighs> and could put up a picture of middle school. Kate. Uh, Oh gosh, it just—it makes me laugh every time. It is. I laugh at you. The grace of God that brought me to where I am today. I just don't know how else to put it. So, after middle school, I'm 14 years old. Finished my freshman year of high school, and I'm at summer camp. Which this was like the weirdest summer. My sister, she's a children's pastor, so she was speaking at a kids camp at the campground that I grew up going to. So she invited me to come with her, which I was like. Yes, I would love to spend a week away from my parents. I'll hang out with you, mm-hmm. you know, in my stubborn 14-year-oldness. And so I went to camp with her. And even during that silly children's camp, I something was just like would not stop nagging me. You know, that feeling of like something's about to happen, but I just can't understand what's going on. So the very next week, I went to camp, same campground, but it was for, for, teen, for teen camp. Yeah. I hate that word. Teen. Teen. So I went to camp and it was like the most random Tuesday night. You know, like Thursday night is the build up. Everyone's crying. No, not for me this year. It was God was like, we're here. Serious business. And you were 14. Yes. I don't remember 
what the message was. I, th- th- I don't remember any words that were spoken, but I remember I needed to get down to the altar as soon as I could. So the end of the service comes and I go down and I'm a mess. Like whatever it is, God, that I've done, I, I'm just so sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I want to live my life for you. And that was a moment that like a marker in the whatever sand, whatever the sayings are. Mm-hmm. Like this was a monumental time in life that I would always look back on. And that moment for me served as like, I'm giving my life to God and I'm never looking back. Like nothing else is going to be worth it for me except to live in the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I still didn't know what that meant, but that time in my life, I could not put the Bible down. Like you hear people talk about being hungry for the word. And I wish I still had that same hunger that I had. I mean, I took it everywhere with me. And I remember coming home from camp and telling my mom, like, I don't care what I do in life, but I have to share the gospel with people. Like, I feel like God is calling me to do that. And I think I'm supposed to be a missionary, which it's crazy how your call evolves. But I just thought I was supposed to be, I I thought I was supposed to be a missionary. So um, my mom, I remember telling her and she just wept. I mean, I was the worst child. I really was. So I think she was like, we finally made our big break. Oh, so she was like happy now. Yeah, I think she was. But I think she was also just like, I have no control here, but what I pray for for my children is happening. You know, Mm so she was just beside herself, excited for me and also affirming. And so I began to share with people anyone who would listen I felt like God was calling me to ministry and there's nothing like the people who are closest to you affirming that call in your life I think your call is two parts I think it's what God is doing inside of you and stirring up within you but then I think it's also um, the people in your life that see those gifts and graces and say yes God is definitely doing this and let me just interject that your call might not be to be in full-time ministry like it could be to be a teacher yeah. or a doctor or, and someone's going to be like, dude, you should, you're so good with gross, nasty cuts and snot and you should totally be a nurse, <laughs> right? Like you're so good at that. Yeah. And so like, there's other things that you can be called. I think everybody has a calling of some sort yes, in their life. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I still think outside of ministerial calls, People can still see those gifts in you and yeah. call them out in you. So I think that you're totally right. It, it's not limited to feeling a call to pastoral ministry where people can say, yes, I totally see that. We want to come beside you and make sure you get there, you mm-hmm. know. So I think it's not limited to what I feel called to or what you feel called to. So that began this journey. And I kind of mentioned earlier that there were times in my life where the people I was surrounded by were not so affirming of my call or not so encouraging. Uh, you could be a kids director or you could work with children, but mm. you can't be a pastor. And and during high school, that's when I experienced that the most. Um, because I grew up in, in a predominantly Baptist town and it, it's just different traditions. It's, yeah. it's, not affirming women in pastoral ministry. And so that's why whenever I saw women who were pastors, it was that much more affirming to me because I'm like, there are people doing it. I'm Mm -hmm. not crazy. I remember someone told me in high school, like you are so self-absorbed to think that God would call you to pastoral ministry. 
And Gosh. and while that's it's so harsh, and it it was said to me, but I was so certain of my call that it was just like okay, like your words fell fell flat in my life because you don't know the call of God. Yeah, <laughs> no, but. With someone just like you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay. So I just think, yeah, when you're so certain of your call, which some people are not, and that's kind of what you're getting to earlier, but when you got to college, did did it stay, or were there any days that you were like, man, I don't know. My call has never wavered, mm. and it's kind of frustrating because it would be a lot easier to do a lot of other things in yeah. life than well, ministry at times. Yes, and, which all things that you do are, can be challenging and exhausting, and all those things. But sometimes, well, just like anything else, I would love to just go to the beach all the time and do my thing, you know. But. I'm called to ministry, and that's something. What job is that? Well, it's nothing. pro surfer. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to do that too. It's uh, yeah, I don't know where that exists, okay. but <laughs> anyway. You know, I th- go ahead if you had other thoughts. No. Okay. You're good. I think that it's it goes. I mean, that's just proof that the grass isn't greener. Because I think I've been on the other side where it's constantly like this restlessness, and basically, I feel like God's just like, come on. Like, you can't really do anything. Stop. Like, you know, like, I just, like, I just can't not do it. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely something I'm always, for years, where yeah. I'm like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Could now, I-, I do think that while my call isn't wavering and has never wavered, the way that I live out my call mm. changes. It, yes. it shifts with different seasons of life. and And I think that, the way that I'm living out my call right now is not going to be the same as how I'm living it out in three years or five years. So I just think... That's right. Yeah, I I don't think that, you know, I serve on staff in the same ministry area as Casey, uh, which for a lot of people, it sounds crazy that I could work so closely with my spouse. We get that question a lot, like, how do you do that? Uh, Which I think is also the grace of God and how... The spirit enables us to work together, but I don't think we're always going to work in the same ministry area as co-pastors for the rest of our life. But I really love this season because there's nothing more rich than what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. at, at least in my perspective. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And then that's cool is on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Emma works here too. So literally we're all here and um, we're just missing... Courtney and Hannah on those days. Uh, those are the other spouses of the other pet. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think that's great. So let's do this as our closing question. I'm a big dreams, I'm a big passions, blah, blah, blah guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do one minute. The dreams that you feel like, you know, like I want to share this. And I think everybody should share their dreams in one type of way because you never know who could be on the other end. It could help you out. And so that's kind of why I believe in talking about it in a way that's not ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what's kind of like one big dream? Something that you're just like, I would love to do this. And I don't talk about it a lot, but this is kind of, I, I have a passion for it. Okay. I, my one. Oh, we just ran out of time. Yeah, All right, Kate, okay, thank you. Okay, rude. <laughs> We're going to have to resolve this afterwards conflict yes i'm mad at you again 
I'll be sure to be passive the rest of the day. In the rest of this. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm done. Go ahead. Yeah. Jeez. You make it about yourself. So self-absorbed. Okay. My dream, not your dream. My dream would be to have, I've never explained this to really anyone except people that are really close to me. So here it goes. My dream is to have a house or some sort of building um, in a neighborhood that is close to me. Not close in like, as in I live there, but a, a people group that are close to me, people that are underserved and um, lacking resources, either from the state or just in their own life. They just don't have the access to resources. And in this house or home or building or whatever it is, I would love to offer a place for people to come to become more wholehearted. So that would be meeting needs of mind, body, and spirit, like I talked about earlier. Um, in my mind, this takes takes form in yoga classes. It takes form in gardening, cultivating land, teaching people how to take what they have or what they're given, food, um, and to make it into something nutritious for their bodies. Because I think if you're feeding yourself junk, junk's going to come out. Um, you begin to have health issues, and it just perpetuates the cycle. And so in this place, it would be it would be tending to all of those areas. It would be giving them, restoring dignity in people um, by empowering them to, to care for themselves better. It would be um, helping them to find Jesus through wholeness, you know. And I, th I think Jesus is wholeness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now, did the chicken come before the egg? I don't know. So it would all kind of intertwine and, I don't know, feed into each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you can start with one and that leads to the next, but different people are in different spots. So it would definitely be to have a home, a safe place for people to come and to become better versions of themselves. Yeah, so. that's awesome. And uh, it's something that, you know, I've gotten to, to know about you. So that's why I wanted you to say it. And you never know, someone could be out there and be like, hey, I have a house you can use that no one's renting right now you know i don't yeah. know but um i think that you're definitely heading in that direction and there's a lot of ways that you're living that out and we didn't really get into those and so um go for it you know <laughs> like i'm like dr <laughs> phil like keep living out your dreams <laughs> anyway well kate thanks for being uh my guest on the, in the meantime me. and talking about all the growth and development that you personally have had to go through to be able to work with us <laughs> with me uh in the meantime so anyway all right thanks kate thank you <laughs>